I have talked to several people in the last few hours who are struggling with some very difficult things. I talked to one person whose child is walking away from the faith. I was talking to another person who is uh, trying to get over a divorce, talking to another individual whose marriage is on the rocks, talked to someone else who they have friends who are struggling with wearing masks during this COVID-19 season. And there have been a few others that have come to our website today, and they're struggling with things also. This is what we do, and it's just a small sampling of how people are struggling and our need for the practical message of Jesus Christ. Our Christianity has to be more than just theoretical, classical language. It has to really impact us where we live in these real-life situations. These few people, again, just a small handful of people, they are representative of millions of people who are struggling around the globe, and that's why it is important that we learn how to live well in this world, practically carrying the message of Christ in our hearts also helping others to be able to live in that victory. And so I want to talk about that in this podcast. There are many benefits to living in our world. Having a good marriage is one, not going through a divorce, having your children walking in the faith, not having COVID-19. I mean, we have all of us have enjoyed the benefits of living on God's earth And we shouldn't feel guilty about any of those good things. Uh, Life should be good in that sense, and we, we we should enjoy the blessings and the favor of God on our lives. But here's the thing. We can become so accustomed to our way of life that when something disrupts our expectations, it can dismantle us. It's precisely in these moments of difficulties that we need to reevaluate and realign our hearts to our calling, our true calling, our purest calling as God's children. Well, I want to talk about in this, I want to talk about that in this podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. The article that I'm going to share with you is titled How to Experience Future Glory in Present Difficulties. We want to take that which we know, that which we cannot see that's out there in the future, the hope that we have in Christ, and we want to bring it back, a realized eschatology We want to enjoy that now. We want to benefit from it now because life is hard, and all of you are going through some kind of adversity right now. And so I trust that this podcast will be beneficial to you. If you want to read what I'm sharing with you, then I do appeal to you to go to our website, rickthomas.net. This article is just laying there. It's free. Just get it. Read it. Share it. You can print it off. There's a print button at the bottom of the article. All of our articles, there's a print button there, and you can print it. You can turn it into a PDF. If you need some help with that, just hit the contact button and let us know, and we'll get back with you promptly. But the title of this article and the podcast, again, is How to Experience Future Glory in Present Difficulties. 
If you haven't written a review for Your Daily Drive or the other podcast that I do, Life Over Coffee, if you would do that, I would really appreciate it. We want to get as many five-star reviews as we can because it, it helps us to spread algorithmically, organically. And so if you hadn't if you hadn't written a review, would you make that note? In fact, you know what you could do? You could stop this podcast right now, and you can go and write that review. You can come back to this. You can. I'll be here when you get back, and so go ahead and write that review. I would appreciate it. All right, let's get into this again, how to experience future glory in present difficulties, because this is important. I want to share two people with you, Mabel, of course, and Biff. They're not married, but they have their own problems. Mabel was a crack addict. She was addicted to crack. Now, back in the day, her desire for drugs was insatiable. She didn't know that her craving for crack was like baby food compared to the banquet that that God provides through his son. It reminds you of that C.S. Lewis quote that says, we are far too easily pleased. We'd rather spend our days making mud pies in a mud hole when God is offering us a day at the coast. Well, Mabel was like that. She didn't know any better. This insatiable desire for drugs, it was temporal. It was earthly. She could touch it, taste it, feel it, and it made her feel good but she was clueless to know that God gave her something, that God had something for her that was, that was beyond this baby food that she was addicted to. And then she came to an end of herself, praise God. She accepted Christ, and God gave her an otherworldly taste for the invisible riches of Christ. When Biff's wife left him last year, it sent him reeling for two months. He called it his dark night of his soul. Like Mabel, Biff had to wrestle with the expectations of what he could touch, taste, and feel versus the invisible riches of God. And though it was not a quick process, he did discover that the otherworldly pleasure of knowing Christ was superior. Now, here are two people. One was into a bad thing, and the other one was into a good thing. Drugs are bad, and her addiction was awful. Marriage is good. Uh, but sometimes, even when things are going good, as I was saying a while ago, that the good things that we enjoy on earth, we can become so accustomed to them that we, we forget uh, we forget that there is something far superior. It is, it is the invisible riches of Christ. Mabel and Biff realized what all Christians know, that there are far surpassing glory than any present momentary and light affliction. Mabel and Biff found the secret to life, that mysterious place that Paul revealed to the Corinthians. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It is the future glory found in your present life that God is calling you to know and enjoy. And if you don't see the invisible riches of Christ, if you are not partaking of this mysterious place, this future glory, if you're not partaking of that now, you can become so accustomed to the benefits of living on this terrestrial ball that those things can become 
the main thing. And here's what's going to happen when those things start oozing from your fingers like wet sand at the beach. Well, you're going to be in a panic and you're going to be angry because that is the basically the warping wolf of your of your hope. The only way you can think about future glory in your present circumstance is to authentically believe that your current experience is not the vital part of your story. Teenager, young person, you're struggling now. Well, you are just like me and everyone else that's listening to this podcast is you've got to know that whatever you're going through, your current experience is not the vital part of your story. The story you live today what regardless of what it may be is not the end all for what the lord is doing in your life your story my story you and i are just a dash between two dates my my date start my first date was 1959 when when i was born and there will be another date on the other side of that dash but that dash is just a vapor as james talked about you and i are a character in one chapter about a person living on earth it's a chapter that god embeds into a grander story think about this massive humongous book And every person is a chapter in the book. You are embedded in this humongous book. The complete story is eternal. It's a never-ending narrative that God is writing for you. C.S. Lewis, I mentioned him earlier, he, he said this also, At present, we are outside the door, on the wrong side of the door. We can't mingle with the splendors we see. But all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling, and the rumor that it will not always be so. The challenge for you is to live in the light and the practical power of the greater glory that God offers. It's the rest of the story that any of us could lose sight of, because we what we can see is more prominent in our hearts. There are a lot of people struggling with this COVID thing right now, but especially people who are my age. I was having that conversation with someone this morning, people who are my age, they remember. And, and those of you who are 30 years old, 20 years old, you, you remember uh, things were really good. As much as we complained 10 years ago and 20 years ago, things were really good. And there are a lot of people that are really struggling now because they see here in America and, and and truthfully around the world they see it all disintegrating right before their eyes and that is what can happen to us we can lose sight of the eternal greater story that God is writing because we what we can see is more prominent in our hearts God wants you to embrace and enjoy today what your future reality will be like in the world to come, bringing the future back, a realized eschatology. What does it mean to live presently? In the practical power of the greater glory that God offers you, think about that question. What does it mean? To practically live that way, in your present circumstance, to live in the greater glory, the eternal glory that God is offering every believer. Would you take some time to reflect upon your life, asking yourself how well you currently live in his future grace?
enjoying the future riches of God in today's trouble, troubled world. It's not easy. And so the first step is for you to turn your heart toward him. And I don't mean that I, I didn't just cliche you. I, I really mean it means longing for him more than anything else. I mean, take the time to ponder, to reflect, ask yourself that question. Do you long for him more than anything else? Well, that is the first step. And if you don't have that heart, if that is not where your mind is right now, then you need to start begging God, God, help me to turn my heart towards you. Not just turn my heart to, towards you, but that my truest longing, my most important longing, desire is for you more than anything else. Your heart might not be into that right now. And I, I know for some of you, you're really struggling with that. I've gotten that email too. But you have to take this active step to turning to him. And I phrase it that way on purpose. Active step. It is an active step. You have to do it. You have to grab your soul by the nap of the neck and say, this is what I'm going to do, soul. You have to do what David did in Psalm 103 as he began to talk to his soul. And as you do this, God will give you, he will begin to give you a perspective that will begin to form a lens for you to see your life differently. That lens, what is it? That lens is future glory. That's how you want to see that lens. Part of this revived attitude means as you live in the pain and disappointments of what is happening around you, there is a mindful and humble longing for future glory. It's an active step. You have to take it. Paul had this perspective. It was this secret that he broadly shared with anyone who would listen to him. Now, in his case, it was the Corinthian church. The people who hurt him purposely and deeply, how ironic. The, the, the people that he wanted to impact the most, I mean, this is who he was writing these things to. They criticized him, hated him, slandered him, ridiculed him, repeatedly put him down. And these were the people that he loved. And he wanted them to experience this future glory in present circumstance. Have you ever had a painful person in your life? Have you ever had a painful circumstance in your life? I know you have. You probably have had both, and you could not escape from either one. Well, if that is true for you, then you can understand, at least in part, what was happening to Paul. People were a real pain in his life, but they did not shake him from the abiding confidence that he had found in God. And that's why it's so important that you have to bring that future glory into your present circumstances because when you are not getting what you want, when you have to wear that mask when you don't want to, or when your child does walk away from the faith, or your marriage is not going to the places that you had hoped it would go, you need an abiding confidence. I want you to listen to how Paul talked about his trust in God. Now, as you listen to this passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, as you listen, I, I want you to contextualize it. You have to contextualize it. He wrote these things to the Corinthians, the people who hated him. All right, so here is 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 17, and 18. And there is such a depth of insight here. 
as to how and why and the effect of Paul bringing future glory into his present circumstance. He said, so we do not lose heart. Don't you love that short sentence? Though our outer nature is wasting away, my, my, my earthly state of being is just wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. Now think about that sentence. Whatever it is that you're losing day by day, he's talking about his outer nature wasting away. Uh, but but we're losing our grip on this earth. We're losing our grip on our bodies. But here's the juxtaposition. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. And so as our bodies are going downhill, our inner nature is just ascending even more. And then he says, for this light, I'm sorry, this slight momentary affliction, what is going on, what is happening to you, guess what, is preparing us. For an, for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so what is going on in your life right now is preparatory. It is preparing you for that future eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. There's nothing that you can actually compare it to. Whatever you know now, whatever you experience now, whatever you are touching, tasting, and feeling now— it doesn't compare to this future eternal weight of glory. As he says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The hateful people in Paul's life could not disrupt his joy and he just told you why in 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. God's provision buoyed him through the harshest of trials. The Lord's treasury was so sweet to Paul that the discomfort of his painful life began to pale in comparison, beyond all comparison. This slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As you think about how Paul rested in God's invisible strength, he talked about it being unseen, that which is eternal. And so God was resting in invisible strength while going through painful trials. As you think about that, here's two questions. Number one, what did Paul know that buoyed him through his painful ordeals? And then number two, how did he find satisfaction in a, a yet-to-be-realized future glory during present trials? What did he know that buoyed him, and how did he find satisfaction in a yet-to-be-realized future glory? Though Paul was living in the rough spots of life, and the challenges were sometimes overwhelming, he held on to a core belief that enabled him to press on for the Lord. That core belief was the eternal perspective. That's why I said earlier that you have to take an active step of turning toward him, turning your heart toward him. You see, Paul's core belief, and you hear it in 2 Corinthians 4, it was an eternal perspective that helped him not to lose heart. Simply put, Paul believed God. I mean, if you just bring it down to the most basic level, Paul believed God. He was a man of faith. 
Part of what bolstered this faith was his understanding of who he was, a jar of clay. You see, if you go back up in 2 Corinthians 4, I gave you 16 through 18, but if you go back about nine verses or so, you'll have 2 Corinthians 4, 7. You know this verse, for we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It is important that you bring this verse into the context of what I'm, I'm saying here. And so Paul understood who he was, a jar of clay, and what God offered him through the gospel. He saw himself as a piece of pottery filled with a surpassing treasure that the Lord was using to pour uh, to pour out his grace for the benefit of others. Let, let me read 2 Corinthians 4, 7, even though I know that you know it. But he, here's the sentence. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, comma, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Paul knew that his life was not supposed to be about dolling up his jar. He, he did not live for the jar but for the treasure that was inside of the jar. If someone hated his jar, if someone hated Paul, as I listed earlier, the many iterations of how the Corinthians just hated him. And so if someone hated his jar, their hatred did not destroy him. That's why it's important to know who you are. If someone said terrible things about his jar or tried to hurt it, Paul could check it off. Why? He did not live for the jar but how he could give away the jar's treasure. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. His life and mission were about people who needed to hear the gospel, the treasure. They needed to hear the treasure that was inside the jar. That worldview is all that mattered to Paul. If it killed him, so be it. He would give his life like the Savior for others. He wanted others to know and to have what he had, God provides empowering, enabling grace to a man or a woman with this kind of humility and perspective. Now, if you live for the jar, you can expect life to be hard and disappointing. If you live for your marriage, if you live for your child, if you live for drugs, and I realize two out of three of those are actually good things, children and your marriage. And I'm not downplaying that, but what I am saying is that we can put those things in the epicenter of our lives, and, and that becomes that becomes the thing for us, and we're living for the jar in such cases. And the more paint, the more you paint your pot, the more it will fade and crack. The more you try to protect your jar— the more anxious and protective you will become. If you live for what is in the clay jar and how you can put, if you live for what is in the clay jar and how you can put that treasure on display, you'll find the secret to life. I stumbled all over that sentence. But if you live for what is in the clay jar and how you can put that treasure on display rather than the jar on display, Paul said it this way in 4.15. For it is all for your sake. Do you hear the direction of Paul's heart? Your sake is others. He was pointed toward others, not toward himself. For it is all for your sake. This is 4.15 of 2 Corinthians. So that as grace extends to more and more people, 
it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. You see, it wasn't about the jar. It's about the treasure. And he wanted to take that treasure, and he just wanted to share it with more and more people for the glory of God. Paul was not living for any other thing but to see God's name made famous in the lives of others. He lived for those around him, hoping that God's power would work through him and into them. Paul wanted them to have what he had. People who stay overwhelmed with discouragement focus too much on themselves, the jar, rather than on how to live for God and others. They don't have that direction of Paul, that direction that poured out of himself into others. People who focus too much on themselves are focusing, the the focus is coming inward to themselves, and they're really focused on the jar, what they what they have. Second Corinthians four fifteen, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. That verse is a prescription for how to look beyond your pain to the invisible riches of God that will sustain and benefit sustain you and benefit others. How are you tempted to live for the jar rather than the jar's treasure? What are some ways you can more effectively share the wealth of God that is resident in you? Paul was wasting away on every front, and he knew that he could do nothing about it. Even so, he did not lose heart because his inner man was experiencing daily renewal because of his eternal perspective. If you are not living with eternity in your heart, your temptation will be to cling to what you can taste, touch, and feel. Mabel and Biff did not have this, at least not in the beginning, and that is why drugs and, for Biff's case, his marriage had so much power over him and over them. How do you experience this kind of eternal reality, practically speaking? It begins by understanding that your pain is producing and pointing and preparing you for glory. Every pain Paul went through served to turn his eyes toward his future glory. That's what he's saying in verse four, uh, in 417. He says this, "...for this slight momentary affliction is preparing." For us, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. You have to understand that your pain is producing, pointing, and preparing you for glory. Your marriage, your job, your friendships, your hobbies, your communications, your your health are preparing you for the life to come. All of these things, marriage, job, friendships, hobbies, communications, health, and many more things, these are adjustment opportunities. They are preparing you. They are adjusting you. They should be. They should be doing that to me to train us to keep our eyes fixed on the more exceptional, invisible reality called eternity. This perspective was a daily renewing truth for Paul. The Lord had convinced him that his experiences were the precursors and necessities to help him in the life to come. Paul would even see what he was going through as a light affliction. He knew that when he arrived in heaven, he would see that his earthly affliction would be light in comparison to the glory that he would experience in eternity. 
And the way that he kept this perspective was to see what he could not see. In 4.18, he said, For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There is what you can see. It's right in front of you. You see it. And there is what you can't. What you can't see is what makes your life what it is. The part you can't see is the part that keeps you going day by day. If you cannot see invisible things, you will not do well when trouble comes and when it becomes your portion. Paul chose to see the invisible things, and that was how he could endure the visible things. Mabel and Biff began to see him who is invisible. He became the controlling power in their lives. They longed for something higher than what the world was providing, marriage, drugs, the things that they could see. What are some of the invisible things they saw? What must you see to keep going? Well, I have a short list of them at the end of this article here. What The invisible things that they began to see. One, sovereign God who holds all things by the word of his power. Two, angels in the spiritual world who minister to you. Three, invisible things that you can see. The power of God. Three, the power of God that is yours if you want it. Four, the life of the Spirit that the Lord provides. Five, the grace of God that empowers you day by day. Six, the incorruptible, incorruptible word that changes you from the inside out. Seven, the providence of God that daily guides you. Eight, eight, faith from God that encourages you to press on. Nine, the eternity that you possess in your soul. Ten, hope that comes from God. This is just a short list of the invisible things that you can see as you actively turn your heart to God. I have a call to action at the end of this podcast. You can jump on this article and you can read those. Again, the article in the podcast, How to Experience Future Glory in Present Circumstances. Thanks for listening.